Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We really work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. Hi, welcome back to The Cottage. We're continuing our series on the believer in spiritual warfare, and we're still in Ephesians 6, 12. Today's topic is the powers that be. Well, this morning we're in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, and again, we started this in Sunday school, so you can always talk to someone that was here, and uh, we just hope that you are really understanding what we're talking about, because we are dealing with the believer and spiritual warfare today. So that's that's the series behind these three messages today. In Ephesians six twelve, I want to go back to where we were in Sunday school. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And we are taught by Jesus that he loves all, even enemies. It's not flesh and blood that's the problem. But against what? Principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, in high places. And I want to go to those high places because we just talked about Jesus who is the highest and the greatest, but there are other ones that are up there. So Paul lists them here. These principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world. And we focused in in Sunday school on this idea of the darkness. And now we're going to look at these terms that we have here. Now, you need to understand that when Paul talks in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he goes to the third heaven. So we're talking about, and we read in Sunday school, we even read in the psalm about the heaven of heavens. We sing about the heavens. And so here they are. You have the first heaven, which is the sky. And today it's kind of interesting because we can't see the sun, but that's what the Bible calls the first heaven. The second heaven is obviously outer space. And the third heaven, where Paul went in 2 Corinthians 12, is where God is that we just sang about, that glorified throne. That's where the third heaven is. And so when they talk about these high places, when they talk about the heavens, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, it's actually a plural term. Okay, and so here's the term used by Paul in Ephesians 6.12. The rulers, that's archoton or archon. Principalities, that's arche. And this is where you get the idea of arch enemy or, you know, this idea of this arch enemy, arch principalities. Powers and authorities, the exousia. The powers, the dunamis. The dominions of Lord Kyrios, which is interesting, is the word used of both Yahweh and Jesus in the Bible as Lord, capital L, but there's other lords, lowercase l. Thrones, obviously, thronos. That's where we get our word from the Greek. English word thrones comes from the Greek word thronos. And worldly rulers, the cosmokratos. Cosmos, world. Okay? So, I want to go again to uh, my mentor, 
Dr. Michael S. Heiser, who wrote this book on demons for us to understand what Paul is doing with these terms. When Paul uses these terms of geographical dominion in conversation with Gentiles, he's not referring to the demons of the Gospels. I keep telling you that. He's referring to the corrupt gods allotted to the nations as a part of God's punishment of humanity at Babel. Paul's language conveys a theology of cosmic geography. So the idea is we're reversing Babel. We did that on Sunday night at Pentecost. We talked about that on Pentecost Sunday. We talked about Genesis 10 and 11 and how Paul is saying we reverse those powers that are judged in Psalm 82 because they did not bring justice. Although they're the powers that be, we replace them and we do justice when we do the work of the kingdom of God. And we bring about the change that this world needs. Because the powers that be are not being very powerful, are they? They're not really being true to us. We just sang about Jesus being the true one. He's true because he's faithful and we can trust him. We said true and just. We just sang Jesus is true. Why? Because he's just. But there's no justice in this world. We're constantly fighting against all this madness. Even our leaders are unjust. They're just unjust. And all they're going to do is lock this one up and lock that one up and nobody's locked up anybody and they all need to be locked up in an insane asylum. I'm arresting you and you're arresting me and we're arresting them and nobody's doing anything. They're all resting on our tax dollars. He goes on. The point of Paul's declaration is that the ruling authority of the gods allotted to the nations according to Deuteronomy 32 that I've been teaching you and Deuteronomy 4 we went through in Sunday school also with chapter 17 and 29 we went through in Sunday school, was declared illegitimate and null by the work of Christ. Their rule is over. When Jesus came as the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, he said those powers are no longer in effect. When I went to Nepal and preached the gospel in those remote villages, those powers are no longer in effect. Why? Because I preached the gospel and my wife went from serving 330 million gods to serving Jesus Christ. Just like that. Why? Because he's just. He's true. He's faithful. They're not. She looks at her government and her parliament and she looks at her gods and no, she's not getting anything from the government nor from the gods. But she looks at Jesus who gives everything because he nullified them. Instead of ruling their people according to the sort of justice God desired, as we talked about in Psalm 82, they enslaved them. They enslaved my wife and her people. And ultimately become the objects of their worship and seducing Yahweh's own people in idolatry itself. So that Paul has to go in Athens, as we talked about in Sunday school, and preach using an idol to get them to understand Yahweh. Maybe you have to use American idol to get the people around here to understand God. Because they're so far off from God. Now because of the cross, their rule has no more legitimacy. It's over. They're no longer powers that we have to deal with. We can ignore them. We can just forget them. We can cast them out. We can do whatever in supernatural spiritual warfare. But they have no power. As I told you, the devil has been taken to the dentist and all of his teeth have been removed. And he's got falsies. He has no power. He has no power. 
going on, my, my mentor says in his book on demons. Consequently, part of the good news of the gospel to those under the God's dominion was that they were free to turn, just like my wife, from those gods and embrace Jesus. In fact, God was demanding their return to his family. God wanted them. He said, you've got to. That's what Paul said in Acts 17. You have got to come back into the family. I give you no choice. The breach caused by the Babel rebellion has been closed. The gap between them and the true God had been abridged. And he wrote a book entirely on this. Reversing Hermon and, and going through all this. So Matthew eight twenty nine, And behold, they cried out saying, What have we to do with thee? Jesus, thou son of God. We talked about the sons of God on Wednesday night. What do we have to do with thee? He is showed up and they have to pay him respect and said, "Uh oh, the boss is here. Well, the boss's son. Second command is here. Art thou killer to torment us before the time? It's not time for us to be tormented, is it? What are you doing here? Because that's his first coming. They want to know what's going on. These powers are asking Jesus. But they have to respect him because he's the highest. They get who he is. Isn't it amazing? Did you ever read the Gospels and understand that? These spirits know who Jesus is. (laughs) We don't get it. The Bible never says Jesus is God. Well, here it is. The demons know. (laughs) The spirits do. (laughs) They say it. Jesus doesn't have to. Even the enemy knows who he is. Amazing. Now, if you look at Zephaniah 3.8 in the Greek, using the Greek Old Testament, it says, On account of this, wait for me, saith the Lord, for the day of my rising up. And we talked about Psalm 82, verse 8, when Jesus rose from the dead in Sunday school. Remember we talked about the rising up of Jesus. That nullifies their powers anymore. For the day of my rising up for testimony because of my judgment, the judgment of Psalm 82 at Jesus' resurrection is for what? The gathering of the nations. And that's why Pentecost is missional. It's to reverse what happened in Genesis 10, 11 when they were scattered. Now God wants to bring everybody back. Through you, Abraham, I'm going to bless all the nations. In order to gather the kings, in order to pour upon them my angry wrath, because in the fire of my zeal all the earth will be consumed, I am bringing everybody in, and I'm going to judge them. And who is just and who is not? All because of the justified. Isn't that what we call ourselves, the justified? We're justified by God, so that we become just, so we become right, because we come holy, we become righteous, we do what is right, because of the cross. Because of Jesus coming in our lives. Our battle then is not like a Dunkirk. It's more like D-Day at Normandy. You know the difference? Dunkirk is when the Nazis pushed the French off the European continent. And they barely escaped by a miracle. If you've seen that movie, Dunkirk. But they escaped by a miracle. In retreat. But that's not, no, that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is D-Day when we landed on the beach. Jesus came and landed on the beach. We're not in Berlin yet, because if we were being Berlin, the war would be over. But we're marching ever closer to defeating the enemy. 
Ukraine just started their offensive. They're just now finally geared up after being set back like a Dunkirk and pushed by the Russians. Now it's time they're trying to push back. Well, that's what we're doing. We're pushing back. So understand how this is framed to us by the New Testament and by the literature of the Jews written between our Testaments. Yahweh and Christ represents the freeborn. Where Satan and the law are representing those who are still bound. They're not free. They're enslaved to something. Under Christ, we are slaves of righteousness according to Romans chapter 5 and 6. Both chapters. But according to Romans 5 and 6, under the old ways, we're slaves to sin. According to Romans chapters 8 and 9 and chapters Galatians chapters 3 and 4, we are sons of God where they are sons of the gods. My wife used to serve gods. According to 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, we are sons of light. We are the day. Remember, we just talked about darkness in Sunday school. Now we are, the day has come. God said, let there be light. And the darkness is gone. But it describes them in 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 as sons of darkness. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, we are the sons who are obedient to Christ. They're the sons of disobedience. Therefore, they are the children of God's wrath. The seed of the woman from Genesis 3.15 also talked about in Galatians chapter 3 and 4. And they are the seed of the serpent. We are the children of God. 1 John 3.10 But John 8.44 says they're the children of the devil. You have the redeemed that are indebted to God and unbound children that are free to serve God. Versus those who are indentured, indebted to others, bound servants. And that's all they're doing. They're bound for their serve me. That's all my wife did. Serve that God. Give me gold. Give me everything. Give me your money. Give me this. Give me that. Give me, give me, give me. That's what those gods want. You have to go to the temple and do all this stuff. Got to serve that God. We did this in John 1. We talked about this in John 1. Let's go back to John 1. But as many as received him, to them he came power to become sons of God. The powers that be, you used to be underneath them. Now I'm going to give you power that you are now yourself sons of God. And you're no longer under their power. I authorize you when you get saved. Even to them that believe on his name, the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, hell itself will say that Jesus Christ is Lord. Power, not powers, which were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. And the word of God was made flesh. Jesus and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth and that same word is in our flesh because we are his body he's the head John 3 3 Jesus answered said in the verily verily I say unto you except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God the Greek can be either born again but it also carries another meaning and you have to choose one or the other when you're making a translation. But the Greek means the same thing here. So here's another translation. And Jesus answered, I tell 
In all truth, I tell you that no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. It's a heavenly birth. We are tied in our second birth, but it's also a heavenly birth as the children of God. That Greek word means both those ideas. Ephesians 2 then. We, t- we just went there in that chart. Let's go through this. Ephesians 2. I want you to see this. And you, Paul says to the Ephesians, you who used to worship these other powers, you he hath quickened. He made you alive. Who were what? Dead in your trespasses and sins. Enslaved to these other gods. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. And we discussed in Deuteronomy 32.5 how the course of this world is messed up. According to the prince of power of the air, you worship them things. In the air, in one of the lower heavens, not in the third heaven. <laughs> the spirit that now worketh in the children, what? We said disobedience. We can all see how much disobedience. The earth is full of disobedience, waxing worse and worse. My wife keeps telling me, I'm going to get in trouble if she ever listens to these. When she gets here, I don't know what I'm going to preach on. These children are getting worse and worse. Why? Because father is not there. Father's not there. Well, the children of earth, we've become worse and worse. Verse 3, And among those among whom also we had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, even as the others. We were no different than them. We, Paul says, even as a Jew, he used to kill Christians. You see, Christians for breakfast. Children of wrath. Disobedient. But God. (laughs) Here we go. And Gary got this Wednesday night. We were this, but God was not. God is not that, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. While we were yet sinners, Paul says in Romans. While we were enemies. While we were children of wrath, children of disobedience, God so loved the world. Even when we were dead in our sins, God quickened us together with Christ. And just as he raised Christ up and judged those other powers, he raises us up so that we will take the place of those powers and we will bring justice to this world. Because it's by grace you are saved. By God's grace. It's a gift to this world. You are a gift to this world. Caring about in you the Holy Ghost. And hath raised us up, what? Together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you realize that? Jesus right now is praying. We just prayed. He's praying. You said amen. He said amen. He's praying right now. We have the ear of the Father. We don't have to go to these other gods. We get to go to God because of Jesus. That in ages past, I mean, excuse me, the ages to come. He just talked about the ages past. We're now in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of the grace and kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That's also on the list of things, Ed, that's going to happen. This right here. In the ages to come, we just sang that in Sunday school, Amazing Grace. 
this amazing grace. And when we've been there 10,000 years, more grace and more grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that are not of yourselves. No, we were children of wrath and disobedience. No, it had nothing to do with ourselves. It is the gift of God. Not that we should be of works. At least any man should boast. I did this. No. I did not. But God did. I did not. But God did. God did. In verse 10. For we are his workmanship. He is working on each one of us. He is doing a work in our lives. And each one of us is created in Christ Jesus. For what? For good works now. For obedience. For to bring justice. To reverse what happened in Psalm 82. What they did not do in Psalm 82. What those powers in Genesis 10 11, Babel, Deuteronomy 32. Those powers, those other gods, what they did not do, he's going to have us do. And that's why, again, when you look at Christianity, the history of Christianity, where the hospitals came from, Christians, where the schools come from, I'm going to teach everybody to read the Bible. Where did everything come from? From Christianity. Alt Memorial used to be a Methodist hospital. I'm going to Blackburn College. It was a theological seminary. It all came from this, that we are created for what? For good works. To bring about the good. Even though it's so bad, we bring about the good. Which God hath ordained that we should walk in them before, he said. I want you to walk like Jesus. I trust you. First John 2, 6. To walk like Jesus. What he did, now you do. And you bring justice. You bring justice. You, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. All things become new. Remember, we started in, in Sunday school. For those of you here, for those who are not, let's bring you up to speed. We started with darkness. And in the beginning, it was dark. And God said, let there be light. Jesus came. And so what did he say in John 9? As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. He's not here anymore. Who's the light of the world? This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Come on, bring them kids. Get them grand. We got to sing these songs. Where are those kids? Huh? Bring them. Where are those grandkids? Where are those nieces and nephews and those grandchildren? Bring them. We got to sing this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, shine, shine in the darkness. No matter how much darkness, we're going to let it shine. Because my kids are coming. We need to teach them those songs. To shine. Because old things have passed away. The new has already come. I'm trying to tell you, we don't have to wait till we get there. It's already here. Taste and see the Lord's goodness. Now what's coming? These are just the hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> the main meal is coming, but we can still eat something first, right? And now the waitress says, would you like to order any, you know? Appetizers? There you go. You got it. You're with me. These are the, where are the appetizers. The main meal is coming. Jesus is coming. Right now it's appetizers. But we're so cheap. We just, I ain't going to put that on the bill. That costs too much money. 
Then what do we come to the restaurant for? Just to sit there until Jesus comes? Order an appetizer. Do something good in this world. Do something with the gospel. The things that God has called us to do. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. Paul says, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us to meet to be partakers of the inheritance in the saints of life. Hello, we are in that inheritance. We talked about the inheritance all through the Sunday school lesson. That we inherit everything that God has given us. And he's given us the whole world in his hands. And he put the keys in Peter's hands and says, here you go, buddy. I give you the keys of the kingdom. Now drive. Drive. Start your engines, baby. Forget the Indianapolis 500. That was in May. That's over with now. Now drive. Drive the things of God. Meet to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in light who have delivered us from the power of darkness into his marvelous light, into his kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Not only the forgiveness of your sins, but their sins. They need to know their sins are forgiven. Put the key in the car. Push that button start and let's go. It's time, Cottage Hills. It's time for us to go. We've got to get out of park and we've got to get out of neutral and it's now time. I've been filling your tank with gas. All right. I've been pumping you up. Now it's time to put your foot on the accelerator and get off the brake. And let's go with the gas. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The power is now not in those gods. The power is in the blood. Hallelujah. Verse 15. We're in Colossians chapter 1. Who is the image of the invisible God? You can't see him, but you can see Jesus. And they can't see God. And they can't see Jesus, but they can see you. The invisible God, Jesus, who's the firstborn of every creature. He was first. He's the model. He's the prototype. This is what I want you to be like. Adam and Eve fell and we've all fallen short. And we pray we need forgiveness of sins because we're not Jesus. But he says this is who, well, this is the design. This is what I want. Jesus. If you want to know what I want, God wants Jesus. He wants all of us to live like Jesus. For by him, by Jesus were all things created. He created us to be like him. He created us for good works. Not for bad. Not to be children of wrath and disobedience. For by him, he created all things. All things that are in heaven. I've been telling you about all these powers. He created them all. They got, Job 15 says, you know, God can't trust his, his angels. Because some of them have gone astray. He created all of them. He created them all. And that everything in the earth, that which is visible, and what else is in the earth? What else is in the earth? The invisible! He created them all! That's why it's such a fight, because you're not fighting against flesh and blood, you're fighting against the invisible! You can't see your enemy! So it's tough! But God doesn't want you to look at that invisible. He wants you to look at Jesus. 
look to Jesus, the author and the finisher, the perfecter of your faith. What he started in you, he wants to finish it. He's a carpenter. You know those finished carpenters? He's still trying to perfect you. For by Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones. He created their thrones. There's other thrones. There's other dominions. There's other principalities. There's other powers. All those things were created by him. And because they didn't do their job, he says, tag, you're it. I throw them out of the ring. Get out of here in Jesus' name. Tag. Now you get in there. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things are held together. They consist. Anyone anyone like Captain Kirk here? You know Star Trek? Anybody know Star Trek? Captain Kirk? Scotty, I need more power. Captain, I'm giving her all she's got. (laughs) She'll fly apart. Jesus has got this thing. She ain't flying apart. Give her more gas, Scotty. We're going to do this thing. Because I'm holding you together. You think your life is all going to pieces. He's got you held together. And he's holding you together. Step on the gas. Because we're going to blast some Klingons out of that sky. Because the enemy is going down. But he's got you. He's got the whole world. And he's holding you. First Corinthians chapter eight, verses five and six. For though there be that are called gods, for though there be some things that are called gods, whether in heaven or earth, as there are gods be many, and lords be many. Even all that, forget all that. Forget all that. But to us there's but one God, the Father, of whom all things and we in him. And one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom all things are, and we are by Him. That's your focus. That is your focus. What is today? What is today? Okay, what's tomorrow? What's tomorrow? <sighs> Today's 611, tomorrow's 612. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Tomorrow is 612. Tomorrow, take this message and live it. What will you do with the power that God has given you? Sit back. No. Tomorrow is 612. And tomorrow, get your game on. Lace up those boots, because bless God, it's time to take back from the enemy what he's stolen from God. Father God, we thank you and praise you for who you are. That you are the only power and you're holding us together. Everything invisible is trying to pull us to pieces. Forget them. You'll deal with them. We just need to focus on you. We just need to press through. You've given us today 611 so that tomorrow we can be 612. And I pray that we will be 612 and we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we're fighting through all these powers. 
because they don't want to give up their thrones. But you have given us the authority to move despite them to save souls in your kingdom through Jesus and the blood. They overcame by the word of their testimony and the blood of the Lamb, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to go out there and we're going to preach. We're going to tell people about our Jesus that holds us together even when all these powers are trying to pull us to pieces. And we're going to press through. Using the armor of God, we're going to stand firm and see the salvation of our God and do the good works you called us to do. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Our last song is number 320. 320. Remember Jesus? Are you with me? The disciples are in the boat. They see something they don't know and they're scared to death of it. And Jesus is going to pass them right on by. Remember that? I've taught you all of this so that you know who that Jesus is that holds you and says you can get out of that boat and walk on this water and you can show them that not only does Jesus have power, but he gives it to you, not to those other knucklehead demons and spirits and all that other stuff that you don't understand. You don't need to understand them. What you need to understand is Jesus. And I need you to get out of your boat. Put your foot on that water and take a step. And don't let this moment pass you by. Don't let 612 pass you by tomorrow. Don't let it pass you by tomorrow. And you, uh, you just got a little excited. Let's sing this song. 320. Ask me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others that are calling, do not pass me by. Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Let me at thy will of mercy find a sweet relief. Kneeling there in deep contrition, heal my unbelief. Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Trusting only in thy merit, would I seek thy faith. Heal my wounded, broken spirit. 
Save me by thy grace. Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Thou the spring of all my comfort, more than life to me. Whom have I on earth beside thee? Whom in heaven but thee? Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. There are those that need Jesus. And if you pass right by them, they're going to miss him. They're praying through that song that you will not pass them by. God is going to give you opportunities. You may walk in the Walmart and he says, you know what, clean up in aisle 13. Well, I don't need to go to aisle 13. Go there anyway. See who's at Walmart in aisle 13. Go down that aisle and see who's there. God may be speaking to you to bless that person. Maybe they're going through something horrendous. Maybe they've lost their wife and they need Larry. I don't know. God is going to begin to speak to you. Do not pass by them and not offer them Jesus, even if it's at the gas pump, wherever you find yourself. Do not pass them by, but give them Jesus. That's their cry. Did you hear their cry in that song? Meet them where they're at. And maybe God will have them come here with you next week. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you for this call that you have before us to hear what you're doing. Help us to see the vision that you have. There is much holding us back. I don't deny that. I know there's much in the invisible world that's fighting to take this church down the toilet, but we're going to rise. We're going to rise! And we're going to bring the risen Savior to those that need to rise and join us in worshiping you because you're going to bring them up from wherever they're at in the miry clay that they've been sunk down into. And we'll take them to the waters of baptism and we will baptize them and we'll bring them up clean out of those waters by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. In Jesus' my name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at dken.cc That's D-K-E-N dot C-C. We look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.